Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I'm your host, Doris Hansen. We thank you for joining us. And of course, we're here to bring biblical truths to polygamists. Last week, we talked about the bad news that hell is real. And this week, we're going to talk about the good news that heaven is also real, but not the way this culture uh, believes. Last week, we used Jesus' own words to discuss the reality of the existence of hell. And this week, we will also use the authority of Jesus Christ to discuss the reality of heaven, how we get there, how we don't get there, and what is heaven like as an eternal dwelling place. But first, we have an announcement. We've been talking for the past two or three weeks about the From Mormonism to Christianity conference. It's coming up day after tomorrow, July 19th, that Saturday, at Lifeline Community Church. Uh, the address is there up on the screen. It's 4431 West, 8200 South in West Jordan. It's from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And you can go to website lifelinecommunity.com to get more information about the church and its location. And the conference is free, but they're asking you if you're planning on eating lunch to register online so they'll know how much food uh, to prepare. And the online address link is also there on the screen. It's kind of a long one, so we'll keep it there for a second for you to write it down, or you can always call us and we'd give it to you. Several speakers are lined up to discuss their journey to true Christianity, and we do encourage you to come. Uh, if you're interested in the topic, if you are transitioning, or if you know someone who's transitioning, transitioning out of a Mormon group uh, that could be either polygamy or the LDS church. And of course, we look forward to seeing you there, making new friends and saying hello to old acquaintances. That's this Saturday, July 19th from 10 a.m. until 5 p.m. <clears throat> well, last week, uh, our guest that was with us to talk about hell is also with us this week to talk about heaven and to finish our discussion, the good news and the bad news. So we got a lot to talk about, so we'll just get started right off. I'd like to introduce and welcome back to the show, uh, pastor of Main Street Church in Brigham City, Pastor Bill uh, Jim Cap. Jim Cap, what's your name? I like Bill. <laughs> I can go by Bill. I, boy, I got a little tongue-tied on that one, and I do know Thanks, you, too. Thanks, Dolores. I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> that one's good. Okay. That's okay. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. We know, <laughs> we know who's here, so that's okay. <laughs> yeah, we do. We know who you are. Okay. Did uh, After last week's show, yeah. I kind of thought we might get a lot of responses. Did you get any? Nothing. Did you? I got a couple of, of responses, and it kind of surprised me, because I thought we'd get a lot, you know, with the uh, with the discussion well, of hell and what hell, this culture yeah, thinks right, of it. Right, yeah. But uh, a couple of positives, but of course we, we get the normal indoctrinated Mormon culture. How could they believe such nonsense as that? And, yeah. and what's amazing yeah. is that they can, we use Jesus' words. Well, I think that's the problem, see, because if you just quote what Jesus says, you can't call up and say, well, he... Okay, I guess he didn't say that. Yeah. So, but they they act like Joseph Smith's words are more important than yeah, than Jesus's true. words yeah, were, true. and that's what we. And of course, yeah. this week we're going to also use uh, words. We're going to uh, talk about what he said about heaven. As, yeah. So we'll reaffirm like last week. We're not we're not here to promote 
any particular denomination or authority. We just want to have what the Bible says. Right. What the Bible says, lips of Jesus from his witnesses. Let's just go with what he says uh -huh. and sit back and see what it says. And that's what we have to do and yeah. for all doctrine. Yeah. Uh, so the bad news that we shared last week is that sin has a penalty, and that penalty is uh, spiritual death. Um, and that this information comes directly, of course, from God. We didn't make it up. We backed it up with a lot of scripture, which we'll do this week. Uh, basically, we have all sinned. And but from the very beginning, we, because of sin, we're separated from God. And unless someone can come and rescue us, we are all absolutely ineligible for heaven. Mm -hmm. Now, when, when we say this, all have sinned, does that mean that every human being... Um, as, as a sinner, does, does that apply to everybody or are certain people exempt from this? Yeah, no, it applies to everybody. And, and the Bible has a very strong theme on this. There's no one that's exempt. Everyone falls short. And it's not a matter of, well, I'm not perfect. It's a matter of if you have any sin, you've fallen short. And, it, and it's for everybody. So we have a few slides just to remind you on this. Uh, Romans 3.10 uh, says it very clearly. In fact, Paul quotes right out of the Old Testament from mm -hmm. both Psalm 14 and I think Psalm 53. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Not one. No, not one. Single person. So that's important. And then he goes mm -hmm. on in 3.23, a few verses later, and says it again. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then later in chapter 6, uh, the wages of sin is death. So uh, it's pretty clear. Paul packs it all together in this section of Romans because he wants to make sure that no one gets into the rest of his letter without knowing yeah. that the problem is everyone's problem. It's mm -hmm. not just nasty people it's everyone's mm -hmm. problem right exactly so. and um and then you um had a scripture i think that you wanted to share from matthew chapter five yeah this is that kind of convicts us all yeah and we touched on this briefly last week and and now uh, let me just read it and then we'll come back and comment matthew 5 this is during the sermon on the mount and jesus says in matthew 5 27 you've heard that it was said by them of old time thou shalt not commit adultery that's bad, of course. But I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, that, what, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And then he goes on and says the surprising thing. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it's, it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Whoa. Now, what he's saying here, I mean, he redefines what sin is. It's not just adultery. Mm -hmm. It's even wanting to do adultery. Yeah. It's a lust. It's, it's what's the, going on in It's here. what's going on in the heart. I mean, it's basically the heart wants to do it. It's just missing the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And he says, he says that that lust, not the actual working out, but the lust is so bad that if you can prevent the lust by going blind, that's a good trade yeah, in heaven. Exactly. So, so he in, in, in Matthew 5, he redefines what sin is. It isn't just the things that you do wrong with your hands the with other people, but yeah. it's really the status of your heart. And it's so serious that one of those things in your heart can send you to hell. Exactly. So he's, he's in fact, I, we'll just point out really quickly before we move on. You know, the most famous, well-known verse for most of the followers of Joseph Smith is Matthew 548, you know, mm -hmm. be, perfect. be perfect. Well, he says it at the end of this whole <laughs> section, saying, you're doing pretty good on adultery, you're doing pretty good on hating, but you got to have your heart together, too. So you've got to be complete, complete, is what the perfect that's, is. That's sort of what perfect means, yeah. complete. He says, yeah. so make sure you don't miss the fact that your heart has to be done well, as well as your outsides. Yeah. So that's what that phrase, that's what it means in context from Matthew 548. Okay, so that's, that's per, that's, that is a conviction for us all, because we all have the matter we of the have heart, where we inside. have that temptation. Yeah. Right. So we ended the show last week with 
with the question, how can we avoid hell? And you only gave a partial answer because this week we're going to answer the question, how do you get to heaven, which is basically the same question same in different words. Yeah, right. uh, so um, again, why don't you review the verses of Matthew uh, chapter 19? 19. I think this is important for us yeah, to review. Yeah, and most... most uh, Followers of Joseph Smith that I've read this to are shocked when yeah. I read this. And I, and I want you, by the way, I want you to go home and read the context to this because what I'm doing is, is not going to make sense until you read the context. But just look what, what says here. Jesus tells the disciples something important. And in Matthew 19, 25, uh, they respond. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and they asked, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. Hmm. But with God, all things are possible. So go back and find the context. But what he's saying very, very clearly is that the, you know, the requirement for our perfection, for our sinlessness, is something that we can't do. And the, and the apostles recognize this in this case. They say, well, who's going to be saved? Who can be saved? And Jesus says, well, you're not going to save yourself. With man, it is impossible. It's impossible. And you know, so. that we can do nothing to save ourselves or even to help save ourselves is, is totally against the logic of this culture. But it's even against yeah. human logic. We all think that we should be able to do something. Earn something. Somehow. Yeah, to yeah. earn something. Yeah. And Jesus frequently used the word getting saved or being saved, and yet it is foreign to this culture as well. I don't know why it's all over in the Bible. I never yeah. grew up learning anything about being saved. I've had people ask me, what do you mean saved? They never talked about that? They, no. And oh. in fact, for one, one polygamous person wrote back to me and said, I don't need to be saved. What are you talking about? Oh, okay. And yet it's right there in the yeah. Bible. What did he mean when he, Jesus, when he talked about being saved? You know, and I've brought this up with many people too, Mormon missionaries actually to my door. I've asked them what saved is and you get kind of a, you get weird stuff. Let me, let's just be really clear because it's a, it's a strong topic in the Bible it and is. there's no ambiguity about what it's about. And I'm going to come at it from kind of a funny direction. So just okay. bear with me just for a second. Uh, the question is, we're saved, and the word saved means that you're saved from something. From something. Right? Mm -hmm. you know, you're saved from something. And what you are saved from is the wrath of God. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people will say, whoa, that sounds kind of harsh. Okay, yeah. Jeremiah 10.10, 10. hang with me for a second. But the Lord is the true God. He's the living God and an everlasting king. At his wrath, the earth shall tremble, and the nation shall not be able to abide his indignation. Ooh, yeah. And that's a, that sounds bad. This should, be, uh -huh. this should have been on the Hell Week, actually. <laughs> but, okay, so there's wrath right there. Now listen closely to Romans 5.10. Paul writes to the Holy Spirit. He says, he says uh, Romans 5.9, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved, saved from wrath through Him, through Christ. So this is what we're being saved from, is the wrath of the God, wrath this of judgment God. that's coming. Yeah, this wrath against sin. Against sin, which we are up to our eyeballs in. No unrighteous, we've all sinned. Right. right. And then just to, just to cap that off, uh, in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, Paul actually gives us a title as human beings that has wrath in it. He says, and, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That means he's brought us back to life. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or lived in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were, here's the key, and yeah. were by nature the children of wrath, even yeah, as the others. others. So here's the issue we talked about that all have sinned and because of that sin there's a curse and there's judgment and there's justice coming down on all mankind and mm -hmm. that's the wrath of God who will save us 
from the wrath that's coming rightfully and justly, justly. on our sin. Exactly. That's what salvation's all about. And the Bible clearly tells us how to be saved from God's wrath against right. sin. And, and God has a right to be angry at our sin. He had, yes. We get angry when we see somebody, you know, robbing a bank or killing somebody or hurting a kid. Yeah, it, it upsets us. Why yeah. can't God be upset? You know, and yet exactly. they, they don't think that he can for some reason. But yeah. uh, Well, because... You would, you would, you know, in wishful thinking mode, theologically, <laughs> wishful thinking mode, I'd love to believe that God is only a kind and loving person. Mm -hmm. But there's a, there's a strong stroke of justice that is as powerful and as necessary, and necessary. to make his love real. Yeah, the justice has and to be That's there. totally lost on people. If it God's is. just a nice, warm, fuzzy teddy bear of a grandfatherly kind of God, then, oh, you know, he'll just chuckle when we do things wrong. And that's what they no, think. No, justice is justice. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, now... Uh, the, the being saved from God's wrath, of course, again, is very important because that's how we need to know that in order for yeah. us to get into the heaven, how we get there. Right, but it's right. not self-effort. It's, it's not polygamy. It's not the united order. It's not tithing. It's not anything that you can do of a religious nature whatsoever. It's not by the religious rule of man, which is churches and so on the and lists, so forth. Yeah. And, and, and if it was any of those things, we really couldn't call it gospel. We really couldn't call it good news, right. which is what it Why is. Why would you call it good news? It's not good news. That's not good news, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So precisely, what is the good news? What is the good news? The good news precisely is what Christ has done for us, not what we are going to do for him. Hmm. So we find ourselves in this impossible situation where we are, we are fatally flawed with sin. We, are just, we can't change ourselves. We can do some good, mm -hmm. small amounts of good, but you'll never free yourself from sin. I mean, and Paul and Jesus talks about it being a bondage in that sense. So here we are stuck. Right. How are we supposed to get out of this? How do we get out of this by our own works? We can't because our works don't get us there. Who right. can get us out of this? Jesus can. So the, so the good news is really someone has come, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, Jesus himself, and his work mm -hmm. makes it possible. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me just read for you. When Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in the first letter we have in 1 Corinthians 2, uh, he says in 2.1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Wow. Now, now I ask That's you, all. if there was a list beyond that, which for instance included doing temple ordinances and all that kind of yeah. stuff, then Paul really blew it. Because he, he narrowed down the gospel to this very small thing. Right. And then he goes on and says it again at the, near the end of the letter, just as if you missed it in the front end, in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you've received, and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved, mm -hmm. you're saved by that, mm -hmm. by if you keep in memory what I preached to you unless you've believed in vain. For I delivered, this is verse 3 of chapter 15, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen. So, so Paul twice now has said, I took the gospel and I've squeezed it down mm -hmm. to this. This is essential. And there's no list of and works to do. And there's no list do. on top of that. Right. There's, there's no list of ordinances that come past that. Exactly so right. It's a big deal. And and the, this is the key. This is the very, actually, um, verse 2 is the key because it says, by this gospel you are you saved. Are saved. And yeah. so that's how, it, so how does it save us? Yeah, so that's somehow, that that small message about Christ dying and raising on our behalf, that saves us. Mm -hmm. and, and so how does it do that? Well, let me, let me read this verse. We're going to get to this later. But this, this verse astonishes me. Again, this is a letter to the Corinthian church. It's 2 Corinthians 5.21. 
He made him uh, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So how is it possible? It's possible because we're not relying on our works, we're relying on his works mm -hmm. for us. He actually takes our sin and he does that. He took our place. And since he took our place, then uh, what results after that from our perspective is we just have to accept it. Yeah. You know, he, he writes to the Ephesian church and says very clearly in Ephesians 2.5, it's by grace you're saved. And, and now I know there's a lot of debate about what grace means. But what I constantly tell our congregation, and it's not, it's not too far-fetched, if every time you see the word grace, you just, sub, just swap in the word gift. You know, it's a gift that you've been saved. Mm -hmm. And when you put gift in there, it kind of it, it pushes down your tendency to want to earn it. Because yeah. you don't earn a gift. Right. I mean, if someone gave you a gift and said, here's the gift, and you said, here, let me give you 10 bucks for that. Yeah, eh, it's not a gift. Yeah, so that's, right. that's what grace is. And then he goes on in chapter 2 of Ephesians, a really famous passage, 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's That's the gift right. of God. It's the gift the of gift. God. It's the gift of God. Yeah. Can I say that again? Gift. It's the gift of God, okay? And it's not by works, lest any man should boast. So very clearly salvation, the salvation from the wrath of God's judgment on our sin, mm -hmm. comes as a free gift. And as we use the word salvation, we're talking about eternal life. Eternal life. Eternal life, yeah, okay. Exactly that. Let's go on for a few more things Paul wrote. Romans 10, great. Romans uh, 10, 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, then thou shalt be saved. Wow, period. And, yeah. and with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now most people would read that and say, hey, that's way too simple. That's cheap. You know, all yeah. I have to do is yeah. say something. Yeah. Well, there's more in those words than just meets the eye. You have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, which means he is the supreme authority of the entire universe right. and to whom everyone will have to and confess. And Lord of your life. And Lord of your life. So you confess him as my Lord. Right. Right. So that's, that's a very important thing. Very important. Thing. Uh, Romans 10, 13, just a few verses later. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. A great mm -hmm. quote from Joel. So yeah. it, 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 God's no respecter person, anybody, anybody who wants to call upon the name of the Lord in deep and profound need because they can't do it. They can't do it themselves. Call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Mm -hmm. So it really is not something you do. It's something you call on the Lord to do for you. The Lord you. to do for you. Believing that he will do it and that you cannot do anything. Exactly. And that's what makes the good news the good news. That's why it's it, good. It is a free gift. It's totally free. It's a free you don't gift, have to earn it. And we're stuck. We can't earn it if we've even tried. Well, that's the lie. And the other half of Romans 6.23 says, but the gift. Gift. of God yeah, is, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not eternal life, not earning eternal life through our good works. It says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yeah, in fact, it just dawned on me just before he says that. He says if you want to work, you know, work for a wage, if you want to earn something, the problem is what we can earn in our own flesh is going to be death because this is the wages of sin is, is death. If death. you want to earn something, all you're going to earn is death. Yeah, eternal, and it's, that's hell that we talked hell. about it's last week. It's a losing week. process if you want to actually put your trust in working for yourself for salvation. And when we talk about this, the free gift is not resurrection, which no. our, our, our culture will go to that in their mindset, but it's actually eternal life, which is the equivalent to, in a Mormon's mind, a polygamous mind, which would be equivalent to the celestial kingdom. Celestial kingdom, mm -hmm, right. Which that's not a celestial kingdom, but that would be the, the equivalent. It's a close equivalent. Well, just right. like we talked last week about hell. That's pretty closely equivalent 
to outer darkness. Yes. I mean, in terms of being an eternal, you know, unchanging, permanent kind of place. And, so, yeah. so now that everybody on the planet, do, because the gift is free, does everybody get the free gift, no matter who they are, no matter what the deal oh, is? No. No. <laughs> Or else there would be no need for all these appeals in the New Testament. There's, there's this appeal that happens. And I, and I can't think of anything better than what Paul himself did. But, but here's what has to happen. What you have to do somehow is accomplish being reconciled to God. And reconcile is a word that we use when two parties are out of fellowship. They're not talking to each other. We usually use it in marriage. And when, if they come back together, if, there's, if this relationship is restored, that's reconciliation. Mm -hmm. so, so first you have to admit that you're separated from God, right. that there's a broken relationship, sin. right? And it's, it's a part. You can't have reconciliation until you admit that you're apart. Well, that's what happens when we sin, okay? So we're apart from that. Secondly, you have to admit your powerlessness to try and get your way back into God's good graces. And that's all over the place. We, we were just talking before the show, we had to ax out so many passages that so <laughs> yes. clearly say this. You can't do it on your... The law was given not to enable you to free yourself from sin, but to point out how deep you are in it. How sinful we truly it. So, are. So you mm -hmm. have to admit, number two, that you're powerless to do this reconciliation. Number three, you have to trust in the gift of Christ's payment on our, for the consequences of our sin. That's what's torn right. us apart. Right. right? In fact, Isaiah says, you know, the arm of the Lord is not so short that he can't save. Of course he can. But it's your problem. It's your sins that separate you from God. Mm -hmm. That's what's Our doing it. Your sins. Right. So you have to admit that you can't do anything about this on your own. You have to ask God to forgive you on, on that basis for what Christ has done on your behalf. And then you can be reconciled to enjoy his presence. Mm -hmm. So really... The whole process of this salvation, it, the end result is being reconciled with God. Being reconciled to God, brought back so, together. So Paul, so Paul, oh, you're going to say? I, I wanted to, to, to kind of emphasize um, number four again, asking God to forgive you on mm -hmm. that on that basis, on the basis that what you already said in, in one, two, and three, asking yeah. for forgiveness is not a rhetorical prayer. And, and it's not yeah. going to some man and, exactly. and confessing your sins and expecting that man to, yeah. to bring you into forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't, oh, I'm, geez. I got caught doing that. You feel Darn. bad about that. No, the, the, the <laughs> receiving no. forgiveness from God is a heart, a deep heart conviction and a heart change. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good qualifier because that's exactly what it is. It's profoundly deep and it's not just thousands of times that you ask God to forgive you for a stupid thing you did. That's yeah. not what we're talking right, about. Right, exactly. It's more like the, the story of the prodigal son who left his dad, humiliated his dad with what he did, and at the end of his road, in the deepness of his despair, he turned and came yes, back. So yeah. something changes radically mm -hmm. in turning around the direction mm -hmm. of your life. Yeah, I wanted to read this from 2 Corinthians 5, because Paul describes his, his job as being a reconciler between mankind and God. So again, this is really fascinating. If you're, if you're catching the fact that this is a relationship issue with God, then you're getting it because that really is what it's about. It's not about it earning is. worthiness. It's Total about it's broken. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's dead, be ye reconciled to God. That's the broken relationship. Be reconciled. For he's made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Mm -hmm. So what separates us from God is our sin. What brings us back to God is Christ dying on our behalf and his righteousness is now imputed to us and the relationship can be reconciled. When we have accepted the fact that yeah. he did it for us and we can do nothing we at can all do nothing. knowing that we right. need that. 
Uh, now, the Bible teaches that our eternal destination is made by choice, That's but right. it isn't like choosing to be, become a polygamist or, <laughs> or choosing to join the Mormons, or, nor is it answering a questionnaire, I'd rather go to heaven or I'd rather go to hell and check the, the, the mark. Check That's where you would like what, to go. <laughs> That's not what that means by yeah. choosing. We'd like to quote Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20 here to make our point, and it says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, Mm. blessings and curses now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life now these verses advise us to choose mm. life which is choosing God choosing God exactly and you know I, every time I read that verse I think well who wouldn't choose life yes well yes people don't choose God when they don't think there's life in God they think there's only life in themselves. But, but really, we were, we were creatures that were made for relationship. That's why this broken relationship needs to be reconciled. We mm -hmm. have a God who loves us. So I, you know, when I think about uh, choosing life, I prefer to think about the fact that the heaven-hell decision that we make is really more of a decision on our parts to say, do I want God in my universe or switch that around? Yeah. Do I want to be part of God's universe? Do I want universe? to be part of God's world? Yeah. Or do I want to have my own universe? Do I want to have a lifetime now and forever in fellowship, reconciled with God? Or do I want a life now and forever completely separated from God? And mm -hmm. before you answer that question, it's important to know that we know through the, the entire Bible that there's only one who's good. Right. And that's God. So the moment you say, I don't want to have any part of God now or for eternity, you have completely separated yourself from the total source of good anywhere good. in the universe. Everything good. Now imagine what life would be like with all the other people who decide to choose life without any source of good. And, and what's the opposite of good? Evil. Evil. Strife. Tr problems. And, and now you fear, start to understand terror. why hell is such a horrible place. Yeah. I mean, for now, God, God in His graciousness extends some of His good to, to our living. And, and Jesus says it in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you know, it's not as though God looks at good people and bad people, and good people he sends rain, yeah. you know, and bad people he doesn't. No, he sends them to both. There's a mm -hmm. certain amount of grace that God right now gives to both. But a time is coming right. where that will when he'll stop. Separate. And there will separated. be a total vacuum of his good in that place we call hell, and it will be none of that good. And that, that's a terrifying thing. It, it is a terrifying when you think about it. And I like to explain it too like this. If, a do if you go to the doctor, the doctor prescribes a medication for you because you've got a serious illness. Yeah. And you go to, you fill the prescription, you pay the money, you bring the, the medication home, you stick, sit it there on the table, and then you're going to sit there and make a decision whether to take the medication or not. If you don't take it, you're going to die. If yeah, you take right. it, you'll get better. Yeah. And, and, and choosing not to take it is choosing to die. You don't right. have to, you're not doing right. anything, but not, you're not choosing God. And that's basically what it is. Choosing yeah. not to take the medication is choosing, uh, it's an action. It's not works. If we choose to take the medication, it's not works. It's a choice. Yeah. That it's an action required for the sick person to live. In, in fact, it just dawned on me, I wish I'd looked this up, but did you know that in the early 19th century, about the time Joseph Smith started his church, there was a guy who was convicted of... Uh, uh, he did some. He, he he stole from the U.S. mail. That's what he was, and he killed some people in the process. They convicted him to death, uh, and then some of his friends actually went and got a pardon uh, written. And so they bring the pardon, and this guy says, "I don't want the pardon. I want to die." And so, hmm. so I put the sheriff in a tough place because he says, "Well, okay, 
I've got this pardon, but the guy wants to die, so what do I do? Well, that quandary went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Wow. And the U.S. Supreme Court, I wish I'd brought this, it's a great story. <laughs> the U.S. Supreme Court said, okay, here's the deal. There is a pardon, but a pardon is just words on a piece of paper until someone accepts it. Uh-huh. Ah, so you have to receive it. He never received it, and they and they, they died. Hung him. And that that is a good analogy. Isn't that a great analogy? If we're going to choose Jesus for life or not choose him, we're, we'll the the result is death, yeah. hell, eternal death. And at the point of our own physical death, it's where your choice now gets put in concrete for eternity. Mm -hmm. And that's not choosing religion. It's not choosing no. effort. It's not choosing ritual. It's not choosing polygamy. It's not choosing anything. It's choosing Jesus right. only based on what he did on the cross for right. us. And there's no necessity for another time after this to change your mind because this amount of time is is, is sufficient. It's the time. It's sufficient. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people say, well, I'll get it my act together after I die. Well, no, that, that's too late. That's too late. There's that's no second chance. Absolutely yeah. no. So when we choose God's way, it's a narrow way. We talked about the narrow way yeah, last right. week. Right. Uh, how, once we've made that choice, how can we be confident we've made the right choice? How do we know then that when we die, we are going to go to heaven and be with God? Like some kind of assurance sort of thing? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's lots, there's lots of ways, and in fact, there's some passages I think we'll get to in a few minutes, unless I just passed them, uh, where that can be had. But, um, but well, I'll get back to the actual thing: is that the narrow way from <clears throat> the definition that Jesus gives us, the narrow way is the is the way to say I'm not going to try and bust through the wall by doing my own good works. I'm going to rely upon Christ Himself to do it on my behalf. So, mm -hmm. really, the question is, uh, if you want to make it through that narrow way, it's not whether I'm going to be able to accomplish it. The issue is, can Christ accomplish it? And has he accomplished has it? He already and done. if he has, I can have confidence that the narrow way is where I'm going. Because mm -hmm. he yeah. is the he is the way and the truth and life. He's the only way. There's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. Right. So that's the way. That's the only way. Yeah. And then we can know first John five thirteen says uh, I quote, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know, you may know. that you have right. eternal life. Right. And so we can know that was very powerful. When I first read yeah. those verses as a Christian, that they were so powerful to me. I was shocked that I could know while I was still here. I didn't have to wait till I got there and then be judged and find out where I would go. Yeah. I knew for sure you that knew I was for going sure. to heaven. Yeah, another passage, Titus 1.1, 1, 1, the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time promised so there is great assurance yes and, and it's sad because i know in the standard lds religion you don't have an assurance unless you have this thing called uh your calling and election made sure yeah. that's so you get this special kind of that's then then thing. you have your guarantee and then you have this right a special thing only for the most holy you know mm -hmm. the most righteous but here no once you have christ you have assurance. But you know what? The Bible says that, that Christ died for the ungodly. It doesn't say yeah. he died for the holy. For the worthy. Yeah, right. Exactly. He died for the ungodly. And that's exactly. what we all are because we're all sinners. Yeah, that's okay. exactly right. So we learn that God doesn't lie, that he promised. Is it arrogant? Is it self-righteous, presumptuous on our part to claim that we do know for sure we're going to heaven? <laughs> Well, yeah, and I and I get I get why this is the reaction from a Mormon's perspective, because but you have to understand, and if you're a follower of Joseph Smith and you're listening, the issue is that you're in a worldview that says I have to accomplish so much before I die, and if I get enough done, then there's a chance that I'll get in. It's really based on what I can do. So it really would be bragging to say, I got it done, 
right? But in, in the biblical aspects, it isn't about what you do. So it's, it's not bragging, it's not arrogant, because again, I gotta remind you, this worldview that comes out of the Bible is salvation is based entirely, not partially, but entirely on what Christ has done. Mm -hmm. So if I can have confidence in what Christ has done, I can have confidence about the end of time. About, about and that, that's what it's based on. So it's not, it's not arrogance, it's not self-righteousness, because the Bible doesn't say we have to earn our salvation even a little. The work is all Christ. That's the good news. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, there's one more before we take our break I, that I do want to go to that Matthew 7, 13 and 14, uh, where Jesus said to enter uh, the narrow gate. Yeah. Uh, verse 13 says, enter the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. And we did talk about this last week, but yeah. I want to bring a different aspect into it tonight. Obviously, Jesus is not tolerant of other religions or other ways, uh, different ways uh, He's very to intolerant heaven. of other ways to heaven. There's one way. There's only one way. And There's it's only one way, yeah. and that's the way. And, and I know yeah. there are a lot of people who think they're saved, but they embrace a counterfeit salvation. They'll even mix religions together to make sure that they've got all the bases covered. Yeah. But Jesus covered yeah. all the bases on the cross. Right, right. There's nothing else to cover. There's no other name by which we can be saved. And now this is this just isn't our preference. This right. is what we read this straight is in. What's and there. there's only one Son of God. So that, that's why. I mean, Buddha was not a Son of God, and Confucius wasn't Son of God, and none of, none of those other guys were. There's really the only one. Mm -hmm. And so that's why he is mm -hmm. the one way. There's only one name. So it is narrow. Let me, let me read for you this. I'd forgotten about this. John the Baptist, early on in John 3, he says, he's talking to his followers about Jesus, and John the Baptist says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. It abides on him. It's already there. It's, Children of wrath. I, there it is. Yeah. So, and it's all about... It's all about our relationship with who Jesus is, 100%. Mm -hmm. John the Baptist said it really clearly right there. It's yeah. not about what we do, and he didn't add any ordinances to that list. It's, he didn't. So no, it's important no to see list it. Of our, there, we have a lot, a lot more stuff that we have here to talk about, but of course we have time restraints as well. Uh, it's time to take a break now and open up the telephones, um, and our telephone number is 801-973-8820. Uh, normally, we, as we wait for the phone calls to come in, we break for our uh, regular message, ministry message, but we have a different message tonight that we would like to share with you. It's a short clip. It's it's kind of a sneak preview short clip introducing the next project of our ministry to the Mormon fundamentalists. So as we wait for your calls to come in, 801-973-8820-973-TV20, uh, please enjoy a very short preview of A Home for Hagar. The night of my wedding was the saddest day of my life. Either you live polygamy or you're going to go to hell. And I would wish somebody would come and kidnap me and take me away. I had no idea what polygamy was actually going to be like. Dear God, help me get out. All these men did whatever they wanted to all these women in my life and sometimes me. I was given as a third wife to a man that I'd hated since I was nine. And I couldn't do what I was thinking about it. I was born here, in the land of the free, a slave in a polygamous cult. And my story 
is not unique. just watched a short clip of our uh, latest DVD, A Home for Hagar. It was produced by Scott Johnson on behalf of the people behind the prison bars of mm. Polygamy for Salvation based on Section 132 of the Mormon Doctrine and Covenants. The full-length DVD is almost 40 minutes in length, and it's going to be shown publicly for the first time in its entirety on Wednesday, July 30th at the Main Street Church in Brigham City, that's 48 North Main in Brigham City, on um, on July 30th at beginning at 7 p.m. And all those who wish to know more about our next phase of a shield and refuge ministry are invited to come and watch the full-length DVD for free. There could be several uh, people there, who, including myself, who can answer your questions if you come. And the following Sunday on August 3rd, we'll be showing the full-length DVD in Salt Lake City. It'll be shown at Mill Creek Church, and the address is 1515 East, 4500 South in Salt Lake City. That will be Sunday night, 6 p.m., August 3rd. Uh, again, the public will be invited. It's absolutely free, and we'll be there to answer questions regarding our ministry to Mormon polygamists. So that's July 30th at Mainstream Church in Brigham City, and August 3rd at 6 p.m. at Mill Creek Church in Salt Lake. So we, we invite you to come and watch the, the full-length DVD, and if you're interested in inviting us to speak at your church or your Sunday school or or your missions group organization to talk about our ministry and present the work we're doing with the polygamous culture, you can email us, tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We'll be happy to talk about a good time to come and talk uh, to your group about our ministry. And we'd consider it a privilege to be given the opportunity of sharing our ministry with your congregation or your group. Also, next week, in keeping with the Pioneer Days celebration, <laughs> uh, we will be giving, our, our show will be an encore presentation with our guest True Ott. We're going to discuss the Mormon handcart tragedy and how it could have been and should have been avoided. So that'll be next Thursday night. Um, that was a good on show. On our show. It was very, yeah, I remember that. It was, yeah, it was good, a good show. Mm. Um, so our telephone lines are open. Uh, we're going to continue on with, with our discussion on heaven and what it is and what it isn't and how to get there. Uh, we do have calls coming in already. And uh, we do invite you to call in and uh, give us your comments on what we've been talking about. So let's take um, a couple of calls here sure. first. We have line one, Joe calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, Joe. Good evening, Grace. Yes. Uh, really enjoying your show tonight. And, but uh, one thing I'd like to ask and have you folks address, if you would, please. Um, a lot of Mormons will say, you're, you're reading the scriptures and about being saved, and all the Mormons will say, oh yeah, we do this, we do that, and whatever. But could you address the idea of having an actual born-again experience and the importance of that and actually being saved by Jesus Christ? Because I think that's so critical <coughs> that uh, I never experienced that uh, mm -hmm. born-again experience in the Mormon Church, but outside of it, I have experienced it and it is so profound, and I think it's so important, uh, you know, that Mormons understand, and maybe your audience understand, uh, where that comes into play. And I'd love to hear both of you address 
Mm-hmm. Thank you, Joe. Um, <clears throat> I'll let you explain Great. it, but 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 first I want to mention. Um, in John chapter 3, Jesus said we have to be born again. Right. We never learned that in the polygamy group. Never, 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 never. We thought born-again wow. Christians were fanatical, you know, just real weirdos. Them born-againers. Yeah, yeah, we right. really did. And then yeah. when I saw that in the Bible, I was shocked. I was impressed and shocked. The Mormon religion believes that you get born again at baptism because of right. the water thing. So I'll right. let you explain John chapter 3. Okay. <laughs> we'll do it really quick. But I mean... Uh, and I like to use examples from people and even my own life, but uh, Lynn Wilder, who wrote, you know, Unveiling Grace, the book, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, she, I love how she says it. She says, there was a day that I yielded to Christ, where she basically gave up who she was. Gave herself to him. And gave herself to him and let him be Lord of her life. And, uh, and in the same moment, a lot of things happened cognitively and emotionally for yeah. her. She said, and this is very common to all, everyone, really. There's a, there's a profound sense of your sinfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember uh, John DeLynn's interview with, uh, with Sandra Tanner, and, <clears throat> and he asked her, well, how do you know it really happened to you? I mean, yeah. you know, how do you know? And she you said, know. well, I was sitting there crying on the couch for how long? You know, and so there's, a, there's this profound sense of sinfulness, a profound sense of joy that someone has solved that problem for you, yeah. and a profound understanding of this incredible loving kindness from God. Of God. And you and you yield to him. And that's the Holy Spirit. And that's work. the Holy Spirit. So that yeah. and that can happen in different forms with a lot of people, but that really that act of the will, that mm-hmm. that brokenness and that giving to him, that's really what the born again. And, and when 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 that happens, there's a deep change in us from deep. then on forever. Yeah. That your your heart changes, yeah. your mind changes changes, your thinking changes, your yeah. behavior changes, you, you, your desires, your like want-tos. you're a new person. You're a brand new person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's why Jesus says it's like being born again. Whoever you are now, after that happens, you'll be different. Right. It's like starting Totally over. different. And Absolutely. I, and I, if you can't point back to some time where that radical change happens, you may not be born again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh, thank you. That was a very Great good question. question. Yeah. Thank you for calling and asking for that. Line two, we have Tommy calling from Taylorsville. Hello, Tommy. Tommy? What, what do you think it means when he took our sins away? You need to turn your television volume down, sir. Well, Jesus died on the cross. Right. To take away all of the sins of the world. Why do we have sins today if he took them all away? Well, because I think you're misquoting him. He didn't take the sins away. He paid the price for the penalty of those sins. He paid the price for the penalty of those sins. He didn't actually cause man to stop sinning, because we can prove that that didn't happen. Right. So you're you're misunderstanding taking away sins. That's not what he's talking about. The Bible doesn't say he came to make us sinless. He came to pay. I I understand that. He paid the price for our sin. That's right. He paid the price for our sins. Even the sins we'll do tomorrow. So, Tommy, I miss your point. What's What's the point? The point is... If he died on the cross, okay, to remove or take away all the sins of the world, now and forever, why do we have sins today? <laughs> because you're misinterpreting what taking away sins is. He did not. He did not remove from mankind the ability to sin. You're you're completely misunderstanding scripture with that. What's 
scripture are you talking about? Well, I would I would ask you, what are you quoting when he says he's taking away the sins of the world? Bibles from the King James Version. Can, can you can you the sins of the world? Can you read it for me right now? I don't have a Bible in front of me, but I think if you research it, that's what he said, and that's what he did. And so the question is, he if paid he for the, away he, all the sins, and he and he died for us. Why do we have sins today? He I don't a, understand that. Tommy, he was our substitute. He paid for our sins on the cross, so we wouldn't have to pay for our own sins. He was our substitute. He did not take away our sin nature. We still have a sin nature. We still have the, the tendency to sin, even after we're born again. And even then, until you're born again, none of this is uh, happens in, in your life until you're born again, until you're saved. He did a substitute. He took my place on the right. cross. Right. He paid for my sins. He was my substitute. Right. That's what we believe. It doesn't say that he doesn't did not make me sinless. He paid for my sins. That's what the okay. Bible, Tommy. I think we're going around in circles here. You're asking the I, same question. We we're trying to answer it the same different ways, and and we're not we're not uh, answering it to your satisfaction. But that's what the Bible teaches. If you're interpreting that the Bible says that Jesus' sacrifice for us prevents man from now on from sinning, your interpretation is totally wrong. And I'd like to see that passage so we could talk about it. Okay, thank you. Okay. Uh-huh. Bye. Okay. Um, we have on line one. Okay. Line one, we have Cheryl calling. Cheryl? Cheryl? Hello? Yes. You're on the air and you need to turn your volume down. Okay. Uh, this is Cheryl. Yes. And, and I want to tell you, Doris uh, Hansen, that you're doing a wonderful service, and I don't know the name of that other guy. Is Bill or Jim? Bill. <laughs> Jim. Jim. But anyway, Jim. is that his name? Jim. Uh -huh. It's Jim. Yeah. Pastor Jim. Okay, mm -hmm. I appreciate him too. Uh, you know, everyone should hear this. I don't care who they are. Everyone should hear what you guys are talking about because it is so important. I mean, you know, um, you know, I want to tell you, I was in a polygamous um, thing too with hmm. my ex-husband. Mm -hmm. But that was about 40 years ago, and I escaped. Good. So I know what you went through. Mm -hmm. Good. hell. Yeah, it is. It's hell. Well, thanks for calling, Cheryl. We do appreciate your comments. All right, thank you. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye. Well, that's why we're doing the show, because we think people should hear it, too. Well, yeah, it's we good said news. That, we said that last week. This is incredibly important stuff. Yeah, it and, is. And, and uh, that's why we're even here sitting under hot lights, because the <laughs> issue is, is that people don't know. And, and not knowing, that's not an excuse in the end. That's know? right. God yeah. says no Ignorance one's without is, excuse. Is, no one is, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, yeah. according to Mormonism, let's get back to our, our uh, discussion here. It, according to Mormonism, including my experience in the polygamy group, because they are Mormon doctrine um, oriented, mm -hmm. it takes a lot of work to, and effort to join the, uh, to get into the celestial kingdom, which is what we call eternal life. And right. I want to quote from Joseph Fielding Smith in The Way to Perfection, and this is what he said, and I quote, Do you desire to enter into the celestial kingdom and receive eternal life? Then be willing to keep all of the commandments the Lord may give you. Now that word all means there's no exceptions, that, that not one is left out. All the commandments. 
the Lord may give you. And I kind of read that where it says the Lord, what the commandments the Lord may give you, like he might be still mm -hmm. adding to them. Yeah. He so may even add up. more. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah. So there we have a works-oriented um, eternal life. Although I might add to that while you're going, though, is that there's a little bit of truth in there. Because Paul in the book of Galatians says, if you want to play this game, if you want to do this where you're going to perfect yourself, you got to understand, you got to do it perfectly. you got to do it, and that's what Absol James says. And everything. Mm -hmm. And if you fail in one out of millions of things you do, you fail in one, you fail the You've entire You've lost life. it all. So you don't want to go this route. You don't want to go But if you want to go route. that route, 100%. The perfect. only person that was able to get to, into heaven by his works was Jesus Christ, because he was perfect. Exactly. We're not, and so we can't. Exactly. Yeah. And I, another quote by Joseph Fielding Smith in A Man, His Origin and Destiny, and I quote, The exaltation to the celestial kingdom is so great that the Father is fully justified in making it dependent upon strict obedience to all of his commandments. The celestial kingdom is a kingdom of perfection. All who enter there must be thoroughly tried and proved and become perfect to inherit it. Now, these are examples of the way I was raised. I, was, right. I learned to get into heaven. It was work, 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 good work, sacrifice, pain, put your shoulder to the wheel, do, 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 obey do. your leaders, right, live polygamy, right. and on it goes. And, and the works never end. Yeah. Exactly. And God, Satan twists God's grace. I, I pulled another quote out that we don't have a graphic on. Uh-oh. <laughs> when, I, when I read Spencer Kimball's Miracle of Forgiveness, uh -oh. I had to write this down exactly because it blew me away the first time I read it. Eternal life hangs in the balance awaiting the works of men. Oh, my heck. I know. A, a eternal, that is blasphemy. Eternal life hangs in the balance awaiting the works of men. And we just read, Bible, eternal life is a free gift, a gift of God through Jesus Christ exactly. our Lord. Exactly. What blasphemy. Oh my goodness! It is. Uh, That's why that book, the Miracle of Forgiveness, is not a miracle. It's it's a tragedy. It is. It's a horrible book. Yeah, of course, if it's you follow book. his guidance lines, it's a miracle if you are forgiven. But yeah. of course, through Jesus, he will indeed take care of it. Uh, let's see. We have <clears throat> on line two, Ken from Salt Lake City. Hello, Ken. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. Pardon? Ken, you're on the air. No, I'm okay. I'm here. I'm watching. I'm on the phone. You're on the. You're on the air. You're on the air. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on the air. And yeah. I'm watching you on my telephone on my TV turned right down. What? I got three comments about what I've seen tonight on your program. Okay. Comment number one. What does the scripture tell us about being born again? We just did that one. Did that. We've already talked about that. Go to what's number two. Well. I'm just going to now by the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 20, 37 and 38. Ken, we already covered being born again. You had, you said you had three questions you wanted to ask. The first one. I need your comments on Acts, chapter 2, verse 37 and 38. To save us some time, can you tell us what it says and tell us what your point is? Yeah, we don't have much time left, Ken. You're going to have to hurry. You, we've only got a couple of minutes, Ken. You really need to hurry. Well, you're killing the time right now by not wanting to answer my question. Oh, I'm asking you. I'm asking you to speed this up by telling us your point about the verse. If you were answering my question, you would be doing exactly what you asked us to call in and Ken, ask about. Ken, And now you're talking to absolutely take away all the time <laughs> to answer a simple question. What is the verses say, Ken? Yeah. What, what do the verses say? Tell us what it says. We don't have it in front of us, but you clearly do. 
Tell us. Acts 2, 37 and 38 is the Apostle Peter talking to the group of people. And they ask him, men and brethren, what should we do? And Peter says, repent. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Okay. Amen. I believe that. Yeah. You better read it. I, I believe it. We believe it, Ken. We're, what's what's we're your not point? Disagreeing. What's your point? We believe it. I think we're in agreement. Ken, can you help us out and tell us what it says so we don't waste time by looking it up? You've got it, right? Pardon? We've only got another we've only got another minute, Ken. You've got to tell us what that verse says. Yeah, tell us. The one, the, that scripture I just told you on Second Peter chapter what does it, through twenty one. Ken, what does it that the human yeah. man or the man and the woman of the world are not capable of interpreting scriptures? given by holy men of God through the Holy Ghost. Okay. We're and you two are nothing more than a man and a woman of the world. You have no power from God. You know what? We're almost at three minutes. We're I think have we to, better quit. We're, we're going to have to. Sorry, Ken. We're going to have to stop this, and we're going to get critics who say, "Oh, if you don't agree, you're going to cut them off." But we're at the end of the show, and we got to wrap this up. And so, Ken, I'm sorry if you want to leave your number. Maybe somebody can call you and and go through this. But anyway, what is a real quick wrap up of what we've been talking? Well, about? Well, just a quick wrap up for me. I just want to emphasize with people who are listening, we we don't want to we don't want to bludgeon you with what we're reading here. But but the issue is, and I, I just beg you, like Paul says, I beg you, be reconciled with God. If you're wondering what all that's about, I want you to read the New Testament. Start with the Gospel. I mean, listen to what Jesus says. See how many times Jesus recommends that we follow certain ordinances of the Gospel that you do that He doesn't talk about. Mm -hmm. Look at what He says. Paul says, I just talked about Christ and Him crucified, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and that's sufficient. John tells us that in his gospel, everything that's in there is sufficient for you to find eternal life. And you so. know, we, we weren't interpreting these in a private way. We read the scriptures and right. words speak. And we, yeah. we read the words, what they say. And it's not a private interpretation like he was accusing us of doing, really. It's the wages well, of sin is death. That's what he it was, says. He was doing a private interpretation, too. Uh, by, by that own We thing. can interpret scripture. We can read it. God made the scriptures readable. And he, so that's readable what we do. Readable and understandable. And we take it at its face value because this is the word of God. Right. It's powerful. And, and yeah. it's, when, it's taking it and moving in it to a different than what it's saying is when a private interpretation comes along. Or you're trying to make it into a secret. Let's just see what it says. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for, for coming and sharing again tonight. I'm sorry that Thanks I messed up Thanks for letting us talk about heaven after hell. That's <laughs> after helps. hell, that's yeah. good. Okay. And you know, God has made his gospel so simple that anyone of almost any age can understand it and believe it. And only believers can live eternally with God in his heaven. If people don't want God during their time on earth, there's not the slightest possibility that they'll want to be with God forever and ever in his heaven. Nor does God want his heaven filled with people who claim that all the good things they did earned them the right to be there. The Bible says, not by works, so no one can boast. And 
And so we can only boast about what God has done for us to get us into heaven, and God will not open the doors of heaven to anyone who thinks they've earned it. There is no amount of goodness or best living or obedience to ordinances that we can do in order to earn heaven. Not by works, he says, but by grace alone. And grace means Jesus did it all for us. And grace at work in us is what makes us a true Christian. We have a changed heart, a changed life, changed thinking, and changed doing. And if there's no change, then we're not true Christian. We can do nothing but trust God's grace and trust His Word and believe that He is able to do what He said He'll do. And persisting on a wrong path to heaven is trampling Christ underfoot and will result in eternal regret. After we sin and God offers us His mercy through the tremendous sacrifice of Jesus Christ and we still insist on another way, God is perfectly right and just to reject us and He will. We cannot earn what Jesus has already purchased for us at such an enormous cost. And He will reject everyone who thinks that they can earn something that He gives for free. So don't be an almost Christian. Choose His way tonight. Thanks for watching. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.